Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, Pastor CJ starts a new sermon series called, Why? Have you ever asked God that question? Have you ever said, how long will injustice flourish? God's answer to that is, not long. God will repay, so live in peace and let him work it out. We hope you enjoy this message. Sugar and spice to our staff, amen. Keep us on our toes. Praise the Lord. Take out your sermon notes today, and I'm going to be speaking on part one. There'll be part two of this message next week, and I'm in a series called Why. And uh, have you ever said this, why does this happen to me? Have you ever said that before? I think we all, in one way or another, have said that once, once or twice. Have you ever said this, why do we do what we do? Have you ever said that before? I know when I first went into a Pentecostal church and I seen people lifting their hands and singing and praising God, I thought they were a bunch of radical fanaticals and I wanted to leave the church. Amen? I'm like, you guys are nuts. Amen? But why do we do some of the things that we do? Or have you ever said this? Why do unbelievers seem to be always blessed? You ever said that before? You know, I think we all said that. You know, on your sermon notes, a lot of this, a lot of times, we want to know the why before we do the do. Amen? Why do I do this, and why should I do it, and what's in it for me? So why? We want to know the why before we do the do. But you know, with Christ, faith is the substance of things unseen, but things hoped for, and we have to trust God in the times of our whys. How many know that's true? We have to trust God In the times of our whys, even though we may not understand why these things happen, why did this happen to me, God, I have to trust that you know what's best for me. You know what I'm going through. You know why this took place. You know why this happened to me. So, God, I don't understand the whys, even though it may hurt. God, I know that you know what's best for me, and I have to trust you, I have to believe you, I have to put my hope in you, and I have to expect that, God, good things are going to come at the end. Even though I may be in the storm right now, and why this is happening to me, I may not understand. How many remember the day of 9-11? Amen? Uh, I, I remember that day. I was pastoring at that time in Grand Junction, Colorado, and I received a phone call. Honestly, I didn't even know that it happened until I received that phone call. And when I received that phone call, I turned on the news, Fox News, and I saw this. From NPR News in Washington, I'm Jean Cochran. Two planes crashed into the Twin Towers of the World Trade Center in New York this morning, about 20 to 30 minutes apart. Black smoke has been pouring out of huge holes in the upper portions of the building. The first plane crashed into the North Tower of the Trade Center at around 8.50 this morning. Witnesses said this first plane looked like a commercial jetliner. Shortly afterward, another plane hit the other tower, causing another massive explosion. That was apparently a smaller plane. Debris from the explosions rained down onto neighboring streets, just as many people were heading to work. There's no word on whether the crashes might have been some sort of act of terrorism, but the FBI is investigating that possibility. Oh, my God. My goodness. A second plane now has crashed into the other tower of the World Trade Center. (sighs) Obviously, a suicide uh, terrorist attack on the World Trade Center. What we have have been fearing... What we have been fearing uh, for the longest time here apparently has come to pass. A disastrous terrorist attack on the World Trade Center. Both towers planes smashing into each one. I've, I've never seen any. I remember that day. I remember that day when that lady called me there in Grand Junction. And she was crying. She was screaming. She was all confused and all shook up. But I do remember these words. And maybe these are the words that you say once in a while. Life 
isn't fair. Have you ever said those words? I remember when she was crying on the phone and so frantic and man screaming and so shook up. She said these words. Why does this happen to innocent people? What do they do to deserve this? Have you ever said that before? I think we've all said that once in a while. Life isn't fair. Those people didn't deserve it. Have you ever said this? Maybe yourself, you have gone through some hard times. I think we all go through that. The Bible says don't be surprised when you go through many struggles because the enemy's like a lion roaming to and fro looking for whom he may devour. Maybe you lost someone in an automobile accident. I know I have. Maybe you had a major disease or even a horrible sickness, and you said those words, life isn't fair. How many of you know that sometimes we don't like the cards that are dealt to us? But if you're anything like a poker player, if you don't like the cards that are dealt with you, you can throw out at least four of them. And some of the things that maybe you have to throw out some cards in your life that weren't fair. But some of the things that we're holding on to, maybe those life things and things in life that are, are not fair are maybe holding us back. You see, did you have a friend who forgot you? A teacher who ignored you? Maybe life isn't fair. How many know that hurts? Uh, a teacher that maybe didn't respect you, didn't like you, maybe showed favoritism to other students. Maybe you had an adult who abused you. Life isn't fair. I know that when my father, my second father, used to beat me, I, every time I comb my hair, every time I wash my hair, I feel the bump right here on my head from him pounding me and beating me. And it reminds me of how he used to come and sneak into my bedroom and put the pillow over my head and my brother on the bottom bunk and bam, bam. Life isn't fair. You know, throughout the Word of God, you hear of many people through the Word of God that say the same thing, that life isn't fair. You hear the great heroes of faith say many times that life isn't fair. I want to be honest with you, uh, when I wrote this sermon, and part two of this sermon will be next week, I wrote this sermon at my cabin. And halfway through writing this sermon, so I want to prepare you, I'm going to share with you some very intimate stories today about life isn't fair. But when I wrote this story, this, this sermon, Terry, I'll be honest with you, Kevin, halfway through it, I began to cry. As I was at the table, I began to cry about life isn't fair. How I many you know that, man, we go through hard times in life, and we all do, when none of us are exempt from being going through hard times. And like I said, even in the Word of God, in Psalms 35, verse 17, you see David who says that life isn't fair. He says, how long, Lord, will you look on? Look on what? This injustice, the stuff that has happened around us, all the struggles, all these hardships, all this pain, all these things that people cause in my life and all the things that I'm going through. How long, God, will you look upon this? Have you ever said that before? Have you ever cried out, cried out to God and said, God, where are you when I need you the most? Why, God, am I going through this? Why me? Have you ever said that before? Rescue me from the Avengers, my precious life from those lions. Rescue me. Help me. Where are you when I need you the most? This is David. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 12, 1, he says these words, you are always righteous, Lord. In other words, you always do what's right. You always make the right decision. You are a righteous Lord. When I bring a case before you, in other words, God, when I bring a case before you, you make it right. Maybe not in my timing, maybe not the way I see it, but God, you always make it right. You take the bad and you turn it around for the good. Even though I'm in the pain of the situation, God, you do what's right. Then he goes on to say, yet I would speak with you about your justice. Isn't that how we are? God, yet you always do what right. But God, let me talk to you about your justice. 
Where are you, Lord? Why aren't you pouncing on those people? Why aren't you intervening, God? Why aren't you taking them out? Why aren't you smiting them, God? Why aren't you repaying them back for the evil that they're causing to me in my life? Have you ever said that before? God, where are you? You're an almighty God. You're all sufficient, God. Nothing is impossible with you. Where are you when I need you the most? Have you ever said those words before? He says, yet about your justice. Why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why does my neighbor across the street, man, have a brand new car, have a new house, always seem to be prospering, have everything going their way? I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I've been striving for the Lord for all these years, and I'm struggling, and I'm going through hardships, and I'm barely getting by, but yet my neighbor who's a wicked, not even living for the Lord, seemed to always be in prosperous. Have you ever said that before? I think we all got the questions of why. Why, God? Why? Why? Then he goes on to say, why do all the faithless live at ease? Why does it always seem so easy and so simple for the unbeliever? Well, I'll tell you this. Because you're a Christian, you have a bullseye on your back, and the enemy wants to kill, rob, and destroy. And that's why he's always attacking you more than others, because why does he have to go after the unbeliever when he's already got them? But he has to come after the believer because he wants to get you. And so you have a bullseye on your back, and sometimes you're going to go through trials and hardships and persecution greater than the unbeliever because the enemy wants you. He's already got the unbeliever, but now he wants you. And so sometimes you're going to go through many more trials than maybe the unbeliever. Have you ever said this? Why do drug peddlers get rich? Murder, murders get out. You know, Jerry, you work at the prison, and I'm sure that there are times that you see inmates that are getting out, and you're wondering, why are these guys getting out? Why? Cheaters get away with it. You ever seen that on the job? Man, they're cheaters. They're getting away with it. My boss, man, they're letting them go. Scoundrels get rewarded. Hypocrites get chosen. Man, I'm better than them. They're hypocrites. They're phonies. They're not real. Why do they get promoted and I don't? I work like crazy, and they're just doing enough to get by, and the boss notices them and elevates them and promotes them. Why? I think we all have the questions why in life. Those whys bring struggles to us. Have you ever said, how long will injustice flourish? How long, God, will this injustice flourish? God's answer is direct, not long. Now, you got to get this, not long. A day with the Lord is like a thousand years. A thousand years with the Lord is like a day. God doesn't run in our timetable. God's timetable is different from ours. For you and I, we want God to knock them out now. But God is dealing with it, and he said, I got an appointed time when everyone will stand before me. Now, in Acts chapter 17, verse 31, look at what he says. For he, which is the Lord, has set a day. Set a day when he will judge the world with justice. So in other words, God has set a date that he's going to come and he's going to judge the world of the injustice that's maybe happened to you, that's happening in our world, that's happening in our society. God has set a day that he's going to come to judge the injustice. If you're anything like my wife, we have six calendars all through our house. My wife is crazy. She takes the calendars out. She'll roll up month by month. She'll mark on each calendar. So if you go to my bathroom, there's a calendar. You go in the kitchen, there's a calendar. Everywhere I go, there's a calendar. But what my wife, my wife does, by the way, these are some very good friends of ours. They came here from our church that we hadn't discovered. They helped us plant the church in St. Paul. This is Angel and Tim. We love them dearly. God bless them. They are the great people. They, they surprised me today and made me cry. Amen. And so they're just our 
our great friends. But my wife has a calendar, and what she does, she goes month to month, and she'll go, man, right, everybody, my grandkids' birthdays on the calendar, my kids' birthday on the calendar, my nieces and my nephews on the calendar, my brothers and my sisters on the calendar, and every time it comes up a birthday, man, guess what? It comes out of my pocket. I'm going to have to go rob Fort Knox, amen? Uh, because what it is, it's a date that she has everywhere on the calendar. So it's so-and-so's birthday. Matter of fact, this Wednesday, we're, we're going to be going to Oshkosh, and so I won't be able to go there. But it's my, my grandson Miles' birthday. So guess what we had to do when we were in the city for Easter for last week? We had to go buy him his birthday present. Amen? It used to be $25, but now toys are getting more expensive. It was $42. Amen? Man, but, but, but my point is, my wife marks the date, and it's a reminder of every year it's so-and-so's birthday. And it's the same way God has a calendar that he's marked the date of when he's going to come to judge the judge and the unjust. And he's going to judge them, and he's going to reward them for the evil and the good that we have all done. How many of you know that's true? And here's what he says. Now watch this. I love this. He says this. He said, God will judge. He said, he is not sitting by idle. He is not twiddling his thumbs. Every flip of the calendar brings us closer to the day in which God will judge all evil. Somebody say amen. Amen. Come on. That their time is coming. Their time is coming. Every day that goes by is getting closer. So every time you want to reward somebody with the right hand of fellowship, God said, just be still. Their time is coming. Right? You see, listen, I love this. To set means to single out. God has singled out a day. I love this. The judgment day has been chosen. God knows. You see, if, if we knew exactly when God was going to come and when God was going to appear and when we're going to stand before the judgment seat of the Lord and all these things, if we knew step by step everything that God was doing, guess what we do? We live like, man, hellions, man, for the whole week. Man, I know that I can live it out all week long because Jesus is coming on May 7th. I know he's coming, so I can do all what I want to do, but on May 7th, I better get right or get left. God has an appointed time that no man knows except himself, and that he's all he wants us to do is have our bags packed and ready and prepared in our hearts, in our lives, that we're ready when he does come, right? And that God will take care of it. But my question to you, are we ready? Are we ready for that day? You see, listen, the judgment has been marked, and the moment reserved, Judgment is not a possibility, but a stark reality. It's going to happen. It's judgment is coming for the good and for the bad. For the evil that people have done in your life, God is going to judge those things that have happened in your life and those people that have caused affliction to you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, I love what it says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. You see, listen, it's not going to be as family, it's not going to be as husband and wife, our kids, as individuals, every one of us are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to hear either two things, well done, thy good and faithful servant, or depart from me, I never knew you. And that departing from us as never knew you is going to be eternal damnation, separation from God, in complete darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth 24-7. I don't know about you, but that doesn't sound too good to me. That sounds like a place like, man, drudgery, misery, horrible situation that God says, this is your reward. This is your punishment for what you caused and the pain that you brought to others and how you've drifted away from me. God has a judgment seat for those. And he goes on to say, so that each of us may receive what is due us. Woo. What is due us. And how many have ever said this? Man, they, they hit me. I'm going to get them back. You strike me, I'm going to strike you back. We always got to have the last word. We always got to have the last punch. We always got to have the last, you know, fight, the last thing. We've always got to have that last one, always up on one, always up. God said, listen, I'm going to judge them for everything that is done. He says, listen, what is received, what is due to us for the things done while in the body. Now, look at what he says. Whether good 
or bad. So in other words, what God is saying, I'm going to judge not only the righteous, but I'm going to also judge the wicked, the unbeliever, the unfaithful, the bad. The things that people do are not being missed when they harm you, when they hurt you, when they do things to your life. It's not being missed. It's not being overlooked. It's not that I don't care, but their time and their destiny is coming when I will judge the good and I will judge the bad. And at that time, they will receive their reward. Somebody say amen. Isn't that right? God will take care of that. God will, and he goes on, I love this. The Greek word for judgment seat is bima. It's a term denotes a court in session. Man, the other day I just I had to be at a court situation, and I was at a character's uh, a court uh, the other day in Washburn County, and uh, Wednesday, Cheryl and I went there. And you know what? They were trying to demeanor this individual who I was standing up for. And Monty, they were just trying to demeanor him in every way. They were trying to come at him, just every angle, every situation. But you know what I loved about this person? Man, they stood there and took it all blow by blow by blow by blow. Then I had to stand on the stand, blow by blow by blow by blow. But you know what? After the court situation, a couple hours later, the individual called me and said, Pastor CJ, Pastor CJ, no matter how many blows they threw at me, God prevailed. Man, things look good on my side. You see, that's what the enemy will do. He'll throw all these things at you, but you stay in righteousness. You stay with God. God will reward you for your good things that you've done. Everything that you do is not amiss. God sees your faithfulness. He said, not only do I see it, but I'm going to reward you if you stay in with me. I love that. You see, judgment seat is a place where the judge is present and the verdicts are declared. Guilty, guilty, forgiven, redeemed, under the blood. That's what God's going to do. Guilty, guilty, forgiven, redeemed, under the blood. We are going to be in that seat. You see, God doesn't care about other people every time when you stand before the judgment seat. He doesn't care about that one over there and the next one in the line. God looks at you at that particular time. And so if God doesn't care about the people that are lined up behind you, all he says, I'm looking at you, and I'm going to talk to you right now. Hey, I look at you. Man, you've been forgiven. You've been redeemed. Man, I love you. I accept you. I for, man, I, I believe in you. Welcome. Come into the place that I prepared for you. Listen, what God's concerned about us right now is that our bags are packed, that we're ready, that we're washed under the blood, that we're not holding on to resentment, hateful, being hateful and unforgiving towards people. God says, listen, I'm concerned about you. Don't worry about the person behind you and this person, that person, and all what they've done to you. All I'm concerned about is you right now. And I'll take care of that person behind you. Some time ago, and this is where I started crying in my message. <clears throat> and I'm just going to be very vulnerable with you today. Because how many of you know that even though I stand up here and speak to you, I'm not just speaking to the choir. I bleed just like you bleed. I put on my pants the same way you do, shoes, and so on. Some time ago when Cheryl and I <clears throat> were youth pastors, I was a youth pastor for 13 years. I thought I'd be a youth pastor for the rest of my life until Rich Wilkerson changed that deal. He looked at me and said, I hated youth. And a year later, I hated it too, and I moved on. Amen. Thank you, Rich. But I'll never forget, while pastoring in Kenosha as a youth pastor, every youth group that we've, Cheryl and I have done, we've taken our kids, our youth, on tours. And we've done tours, and we've put together this particular one. We did a drama. It was an hour and 15-minute drama that we did. And I love doing dramas when we get our next facility Wait till you see. We're going to do big dramas. We're going to do a lot of things. I love it, love it, love it. But anyways, we did this huge drama called You've Been Left Behind. So we made T-shirts, and just like when you go to Guns N' Roses or, or Death Leopard or whatever, you buy the shirt, and it's got all the tour things on the back of it, right? We had our tour shirt, too. Yeah, yeah we bad. We had our T-shirts, Crossroad Kids, man, we were bad. Every place we pulled up to, we had our tour, and we felt important. 
But halfway down that list of tours, we had to go to a place that brought back a place of pain. Just prior to us leaving for the tour, my wife took our little daughter to the restroom. And when she took our daughter to the restroom, my daughter said to mommy, she said, Mommy, it hurts. And my wife said, uh, what do you mean it hurts? She said, yeah, it hurts just like, and I won't say the person's name, just like what he did. My wife began to ask my daughter more questions and eventually found out that my daughter was abused. And what had happened was they had came to visit my wife and I, and my wife got sick, so I went to the hospital, and I left these two gentlemen with my kids to babysit while I was at the hospital. They were very reliable people, and one of them abused my daughter. The bad thing was, every time I saw the back of the shirts of those kids, halfway down that shirt, was a place I had to face my giant. So when I got there, we got there uh, that night, and the following day we were going to do the presentation. I could not go do the presentation until I spoke to this gentleman. So Cheryl and I, went into the sanctuary, and they had chairs there. And uh, <clears throat> we sat down, and I didn't even get it out of my mouth. And he looked at me. He said, yes, I did. I wanted to rip his head off. My daughter was barely how old, honey? Three. And I wanted to rip his head off. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Life isn't fair. I had to forgive him. We prayed, and I left. But through many years, my daughter still lives with that scar. Life isn't fair. Maybe you yourself have experienced situations in your life where life isn't fair. But one of the things that I had to come to grips with is this. Nothing goes unnoticed by God. And his verdict is read for each deed, whether good or bad. So I had to forgive this young man, even though it was hard, and had to understand that, God, you're a just God. So one of the things that I had to anchor ourselves to, how many know his promises are yes and amen, and they're the anchor or the hope for your life. And one of the anchors that Cheryl and I had to anchor to was Second Thessalonians Chapter 1, verse 6. We anchored our lives to this. And here's what it is. God is a just God. Maybe not in my timing. I wanted to rip his neck off. I wanted to just ah, destroy him, take out his vocal cords, whatever. But God is a just God. And I had to trust and believe that, God, you're going to take care of this situation you're going to heal me and Cheryl of our emotions. You're going to heal my daughter Heidi of her situation. You're going to take away this memory. You're going to do all these things. And how many of you know what I'm talking about? You have to pray to sometimes get through and pray to survive because your anger and your flesh just wants to react. And I had to anchor myself to this verse that God is a just God. He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you. 
God will pay back trouble, and when God pays back trouble, it will be far greater and far severe than you can even fathom or imagine because God will reward and he will pay back those who afflicted you, caused pain to you, hurt you. Man, God will take care, and he will vindicate what is right. So I had to, Cheryl and I, had to anchor ourselves, the hope of knowing that God would take care of that. When you feel that life is not fair, now don't worry, God's, not, God's got this. Judgment is coming. How many know judgment is coming? So sometime after that, we're now pastoring in Colorado. My son, CJ, was taken to the school principal's office for something that was just leaving. They, they had a kind of a concert thing in the, in, the, in the gym, and all the kids were leaving, and the uh, school principal grabbed my son by the neck and squeezed my son's neck so hard that his whole entire hand was across his neck and stayed there for seven hours, that we took pictures of this neck, this whole imprint of his hand across his neck, that he squeezed my son's neck that hard. So obviously, we went to the school board, the school district, and of course, they were afraid that we would do the big word, sue. But come to find out, what really made us upset was this principal was notorious for abuse like that. Here we were faced with another situation. Connie, life isn't fair. How I many can relate to what I'm talking about? We've all been dealt things in our life that life isn't fair, but we have to make a decision. God, it's yours. In Romans chapter 12, verse 19, Paul speaks there. He says, do not take revenge. How many want to do that? How many just want to, man, jump in there, shoot them, take them out, smite them, whatever it may be. Do not take revenge. That prison not for you. <laughs> yeah. Amen. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. Look what he says. But leave room for God's wrath, for it is written. Leave room for God's wrath. In other words, let God intervene. Pretty hard, isn't it? You see, I'm not just talking to the choir. I've experienced pain in my own personal life. When my father beat me, my second father turned me into an alcoholic, my first, first father left us, all these things that have faced in my life. But I have to come to a place that, God, I don't take revenge, but, God, you, I leave room for you. I've learned something in my life that if I would have held on to all those things, Kevin, what that would have done to me was held me back from the progress that God has done in my life. I could have stayed in that place of misery, even though I wanted to rip the throat out of this young man, even though I wanted to shoot the principal, even though I felt these things about my dad, my stepfathers. I had to come to the place that, God, I leave room for you to take revenge. True story. I read an article some time ago, and Paul Staffney read the same article. There was these two deers, two bucks. They were sparring with one another, fighting over, what is it, a woman, a doe. Isn't that usually the case, fighting over a woman? And they were sparring with each other. And what happened was these two bucks, they got entangled their antlers together. True story. They got entangled together that they couldn't get apart. 
And so here they tr struggled and struggled to try to get apart from each other, but yet they couldn't. And so these two deer stuck together, went along in life, walking side by side, mad, angry, fighting each other, till eventually one died. And the one that was living was carrying the dead carcass. So everywhere this one that was living was carrying this dead carcass, what it kept doing was representing death, stench, anger, you name it, put your name there. Till eventually that live deer died with the dead deer. And what happens sometimes in our lives, because of all the offenses and things that may have happened in our life, and we think that life isn't fair, we want to stay here. And in our lives, we think that life isn't fair, and we live in this stench, and we live in this sin, and we live in this stink, when God has a future for I know the plans that I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope for the future. But because you are so familiar, you're so content, you're so happy with the stink, the stench, the death, that you want to stay here when God says, wait a minute, let it go. Let me do the avenge. Let me do the vindicating. You go on, and I'll fight your battle. I'll take care of that situation. Walk there in the future that I have for you. But many of us forfeit the future because we want to live with the dead carcasses of pain. And we're still here. And God said, did I come to set the captive free? Did I say that he that the Son sets free is free indeed? Did I not say that I am the one that will do what? Go back to Romans 12, 19. Watch what he says. Did I not say that what? Leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is my avenge. I will repay. I will repay. You don't have to repay, says the Lord. God said, hey, listen, I will take care of those who hit you, who those who hurt you, those who cause pain in your life that you want to jump in there and give them the right hand of fellowship that maybe you got the trigger happy finger and you want to spike their life and take them out. God said, listen, leave room for me because my wrath is greater than your wrath. Why? Why? Don't try to take things into your own hands. Allow the Lord to handle it. Their time, their time is coming. The calendar is marked. The calendar is marked. And every day, there's a flip of the calendar. How many of you remember those old desktop calendars that you turn the page every day? I used to have them on my desk. Now they got them on your phone. You don't need them anymore, right? I used to turn that little bugger every day. My secretary used to write in all my appointments right there. If I didn't like them, I turned it for the next day. I don't want those appointments. Those look better. I'll take those. The calendar is marked. Maybe you've gone through some horrific times. Maybe you've gone through a horrible divorce. Maybe you've gone through deaths in your situation. I've gone through that. Why did God take my sister when she was only 50 years old? Why did the doctors misdiagnose her? Man, because they misdiagnosed her, she lost her life. Man, why did that happen? All the whys, the whys, the whys. I think we all have them. God will repay. You live in peace. Stay at peace and let him work it out. You see, he will keep those in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on him. He will keep us in perfect peace. One of the tactics or the schemes of the enemy is to get you out of peace, to get you off balance, to get you caught up with all the world events and all these things. Not that they're not important, not that these things, man, believe me, when I see all the things about abortion issues and stuff, does that not grieve my heart? Absolutely it grieves my heart. When I see what's going on in our society, in our country, does that not grieve my heart? Absolutely it grieves my heart. But I know one thing. 
I can't change things, but I know what can change things. All I know to do, if my people who are called by my name will seek my face and humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then I will heal their land. So all I know to do is to pray and to seek my God. I can't change it, but prayer can. So God, I'm not going to get caught up with all this anger, with all this strife, with all this stuff. I'm going to get caught up with you because God, you're the one that can change things. Somebody say amen. Isn't that right? What does the enemy do? Man, he gets us so caught up with all this stuff that we're so full of anger. So I got—I won't mention the person, but I, I get around these individuals, and man, they all they want to do is, man, get so caught up with all this stuff. And every time I get around them, it's hard to even communicate with them because they're so all messed up and so angry and so outraged that, man, I said, dude, if you would take that same anger, that same man energy that you have toward these things that you're all upset about and taking the prayer, man, you know what? I think things would change. You know what he wanted to do? He wanted to knock me out. But you don't understand. Yes, I do. I live in the same world you do. But what does the enemy want us to do? Get mad, get our eyes off from God and let, stop letting God take care of it and let us take care of it. That's what God, the enemy wants us to do. You listen, I, I love this. Paybacks by God are not fun. Woo-hoo. I mean, no, that's true. It's at that time you will see his verdict done. God will repay back. He'll pay back those who have hurt you. He'll pay back. I don't understand why my daughter had to go through that. I don't understand why my, I lost my sister. I don't understand why my son had to be choked so hard that he had a handprint on his hand, on his neck for seven hours. I don't understand all that. I don't understand why my son Rick, man, got his car robbed by his nephews, man, and nobody did anything about it, and he broke into his car, stole the stereo, his own nephew, and nobody did anything. I don't understand all that. Cousin, thank you. That's why I got my wife. That'll preach. That'll preach. Amen. Happy wife, happy life. Amen. Matthew 16, 27. We're getting ready to close. Go ahead. For the Son of Man, look at this. For the Son of Man, my Savior, my rock and my Redeemer, my Defender, my Rewarder, my Judge, my King, my Everything is going to come in his Father's glory with his angels. Watch this, Heather. And then he will reward each person. That's you. That's you. Reward each person according to what they have done. So in other words, nothing gets unnoticed by God. Good, bad, or in between, God sees it all. Have you ever noticed that God says he knows every hair on your head? If he takes the time to know every hair on your head and those that aren't on your head, do you think he doesn't know your situation? Do you think he doesn't care about your situation when you go through hardships and troubles, when you get overlooked by your boss or when you get rejected, when you get all this pain, when you get all these things said about you and all this thing that you go through? you think God doesn't see that? you think God, man, doesn't care? God cares every minute for you. But you know what? If God can come in a twinkling of an eye, guess what? He could jump into your situation and turn it around right away. If he can say to the storms, enough is enough, and they become still, he could do that. But you know why God doesn't do it? Because God, when he sees you go through trials, when he sees you go through struggles, when he sees you go through pain in your life, you know what he does? He sits back and he says, listen, I see what you're going through, Abby. I see the pain and the hurt you're going through. I could jump in. I could be you out. I could be your papa daddy. I could be the one that defends you. But he says, listen, I can be all that, but I'm praying for your faith. I'm praying for your faith. 
I'm praying for your faith that you don't bail out, that you trust me in the midst of the storm, that you don't quit, that you don't take things into your own hand. Let me be the vindicator. Let me be the one that makes things right. You just be still and know that I'm God and I'm making a way where there seems to be no way. The battle is not yours. It's the Lord's. And I'm beating that person up. I'm taking care of that situation. I'm reviving that situation. You just remain in peace and I'll take care of the rest. I close. How to stay in God's grace? Let him be the judge. Let him be the judge. If you're taking notes, write down this. Acts 17, 31. Let him be the judge. Two, trust even when it hurts. Ooh, man, that's a big one. I wrote that, when I, when I wrote that down, I can even show you that's a teardrop on that page right there. When I, when I, when I, God, it hurts. That man touched my daughter. I trusted this young man. He was one of my youth sponsors. God, I'm hurting, God. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. Even though it hurts. Even though it hurts. Some of you are hurting right now. I want to encourage you. Trust. Know that God is working it out. Number three. This is what it gets. This, this, I love this one. Keep in the back of your mind. Their time, their time is coming. Doomsday is coming to your house. Hallelujah. And lastly, I love this one. The average lifespan is 76 years old. That ain't very long. But to be with the Lord is eternity. There is no amen. There is no ending. With God is forever. So the last one, hold on to your questions for God. All you have is eternity for him to answer them. So someday, whether we're 76 or older, someday when we get to see the Lord, and he says, well done, thy good and faithful servant, go into the place I prepared for you. You can bring your list, and you're going to have eternity for him to answer every question that you have in your life. And guess what? Then he'll make it all clear to you of why this, that, and the other thing happened. God is your vendor. Next week, part two of this message, and you're not going to want to miss it because we're going to talk about what's going to happen to the wicked. And you'll see next week, will you stand with me today? Why? Why does this happen? Why did this happen? Why, Pastor? Why? Maybe there's a lot of whys with you right now. Why me, Lord? What have I ever done? Have you ever sang that song before? To deserve even one. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning, will you? Father, I pray in Jesus' name that right now, if there are those here today that have the question why looming over them, that is holding them back and carrying a dead carcass. I pray that God today, that they will be able to let it go, that you will break free, break them free from that bondage, that baggage, that pain, that sorrow, that stench, that smell, that death that is carrying them and holding them back from their future. Lord, if you know the plans for them, Lord, they'll never experience it if they're always staying in their past. If they're always staying in their misery, always staying in their pain, always staying in their hurt, and I'm not overlooking that, Lord, and you know, but God, you have a better place for them. Because God, you say the battle is not ours, it's the Lord's. So, Father, I pray that you will set them free. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I believe that today there are people, like there was this morning, gentleman this morning came forward this morning he was absolutely crying right here to my right this morning God was just delivering him today but I don't want you to leave the same way you came in order for you to walk in your destiny and your future you have to let go and let God be your vindicator is there anyone here today and say pastor I need prayer no one's looking around I need prayer you're talking to me pastor that's you just lift your hand up today just lift your hand. Yes, 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 yes. Anyone else? Yes, 
Yes, five or six hands. Anyone else? Say, Pastor. Yes. You may put them down. Anyone else today? Seven hands. Yes, another one just going up. Eight, yes. Anyone else? Nine. Anyone else? Say, Pastor. Pastor. I'm going to count to three. Don't miss this call. Don't leave the same way you came. One. Anyone else? Say, Pastor. I want to let go. I want to let go. Yes, ten. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, I want to let go. I want to let go. Two. Anyone else? Three. Will you look at me now? There were ten hands that were raised here today. And I'm proud of you. But I want you to do me a favor, and I'm not here. But I want to help you. If you really mean business with God, we're all family here today, and you want to break off those shackles, you want to be let, set free from that dead carcass, if you mean business today, I want you to step out right now. Come on. Ten of you, raise your hand. Come on. Come on. Come on. They're coming. Come on. Come on. Welcome them. Come on. They're coming. Come on. 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 Look at this group. Come on, girl. I need some prayer warriors. There's more than 10 up here now. They're still coming. Come on. I need some prayer warriors. Come on up here. Come on, Monty, Chris. Come on, Susan. Come on. I need some prayer. Becky, come on. Come on, Randy. Come on, guys. Renee, come on. I want you to come and stand with these people. Come on. They need some intercessors. Come on. Come on. They need some people to gather around there. Come on. Right in here. Come on, Becky, Randy. Come on. Right over here, Randy. Right over here. Come on. Renee, come on right here. Amen. Renee, Charmaine raised her hand. Robin, I want you to guys pray with Charmaine right here. Right here, right here, right there. Yep, I want you to pray. Now listen, guys. What you're just doing today, you're letting go. You're letting go. You're letting go. <laughs> I'm so proud of you, young lady. I'm so proud. Girl, way to go. Young man, way to go. Lip lock, kid. I love you, man. I'm going to call you that from now on. Man, this is what it's all about right here. Amen. Gail, come on up here and stand with your son. Oh, you stand right next to Gail's up here. Amen. Father, today, I pray for these individuals that right now, God, they're making their public confession of faith that they're letting go today. They're letting go today. The past is behind them. They've been hurt. They've been afflicted in many different ways. But, Father, you know what they faced. You know what they've gone through. You know the pain. But, Father, today you say that you remember it no more. You blot it out. And, Lord, you're moving them on to their future. They are free indeed today. No longer to be reminded of that hurt, that scar, that pain in their life. They are free indeed. I thank you for every individual here today. And I thank you that, God, we all have the hope of knowing that someday we're going to be able to stand before you and ask you the questions of why. Why did this happen? Why did this take place? Why did that individual get prosperous? And I'm not. And someday, God, we're going to be able to answer all these questions that we have. But, Father, right now, touch and bless these 12 that are up here right now. Thank you, Father, for each and every one of them. And we give you the praise. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And amen. Give the Lord praise. Amen. God is so good. God is so good. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.